0: Chapter eleven of the Phantom of the Opera by Gaston Leroux. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter eleven. Above the trap-doors. The next day he saw her at the opera. She was still wearing the plain gold ring. She was gentle and kind to him she talked to him of the plans which he was forming—of his future, of his career. He told her that the date of the polar expedition had been put forward, and that he would have to leave France in three weeks, or a month at the latest. She suggested, almost gaily, that he must look upon the voyage with delight as a stage toward his coming fame, and when he replied that fame without love was no attraction in his eyes She treated him as a child whose sorrows were only short-lived.
1: "'How can you speak so lightly of such serious things?'
0: he asked. Uh, "'Perhaps
1: we shall never see each other again. I may die during that expedition.'
0: "'Oh, I," she said simply. She no longer smiled or jested. She seemed to be thinking of some new thing that had entered her mind for the first time. Her eyes were all aglow with it.
1: "'What are you thinking of, Christine?'
0: i am thinking we shall not
2: see each other again and does that
1: make you so radiant
2: and that in a month
1: we shall have to say good-bye for ever unless christine w- we pledge our faith and wait for each other for ever she put her hand on his mouth hush raoul
2: you know there is no question of that and we shall never be married that is
0: understood she seemed suddenly almost unable to contain an overpowering gaiety she clapped her hands with childish glee raoul stared at her in amazement but but she continued holding out her two hands to raoul or rather giving them to him as though she suddenly resolved to make him a present of them
2: but if we cannot be married we can we can be engaged nobody will know but ourselves raoul there have been plenty of secret marriages why not a secret engagement we are engaged my dear for a month in a month you will go away
0: and i can be happy with the thought of that month all my life long she was enchanted with her inspiration then she became serious again this she said is a happiness that will harm no one raoul jumped at the idea he bowed to christine and said mademoiselle i have the honour to ask for your hand why you have
2: both of them already my betrothed oh raoul how happy we shall be we must play at being
0: engaged all day long it was the prettiest game in the world and they enjoyed it like the children that they were "'Oh, the wonderful speeches that they made to each other "'and the eternal vows they exchanged! "'They played at hearts as other children might play at ball, "'only, as it was really their two hearts that they flung to and fro, "'they had to be very, very handy to catch them each time without hurting them. "'One day, about a week after the game began, "'Raoul's heart was badly hurt, "'and he stopped playing and uttered these wild words. I "'I shan't go to the North Pole!' christine who in her innocence had not dreamed of such a possibility suddenly discovered the danger of the game and reproached herself bitterly she did not say a word in reply to raoul's remark and went straight home this happened in the afternoon in the singers dressing-room where they met every day and where they amused themselves by dining on three biscuits two glasses of port and a bunch of violets in the evening she did not sing and he did not receive his usual letter, though they had arranged to write to each other daily during that month. The next morning he ran off to Mamma Valerius, who told him that Christine had gone away for two days. She had left at five o'clock the day before. Raoul was distracted. He hated Mamma Valerius for giving him such news as that with stupefying calmness. He tried to sound her, but the old lady obviously knew nothing." Christine returned on the following day. She returned in triumph. She renewed her extraordinary success of the gala performance. Since the adventure of the toad, Carlotta had not been able to appear on stage. The terror of a fresh coac filled her heart, and deprived her of all her power of singing, and the theatre that had witnessed her incomprehensible disgrace had become odious to her. She contrived to cancel her contract— daye was offered the vacant place for the time she received thunders of applause in the juive the Viscount, who of course was present was the only one to suffer on hearing the thousand echoes of this fresh triumph for christine still wore her plain gold ring a distant voice whispered in the young man's ear
2: she is wearing the ring again to-night and you did not give it to her She gave her soul again to-night, and did not give it to you. If she will not tell you what she has been doing the past two days, you must go and ask Eric.
0: He ran behind the scenes and placed himself in her way. She saw him, for her eyes were looking for him. She said, Quick, quick, come! And she dragged him to her dressing-room raoul at once threw himself on his knees before her he swore to her that he would go and he entreated her never again to withhold a single hour of the ideal happiness which she had promised him she let her tears flow they kissed like a despairing brother and sister who have been smitten with a common loss and who meet to mourn a dead parent suddenly she snatched herself from the young man's soft and timid embrace seemed to listen to something and with a quick gesture pointed to the door when he was on the threshold she said in so low a voice that the viscount guessed rather than heard her words to-morrow
2: my dear betrothed and be happy raoul i sang for you to-night
0: he returned the next day but those two days of absence had broken the charm of their delightful make-believe they looked at each other in the dressing-room with their sad eyes without exchanging a word raoul had to restrain himself not to cry out i am jealous i am jealous i am jealous but she heard him all the same then she said come for a
2: walk my dear
0: the air will do you good raoul thought that she would propose a stroll in the country far from that building which he detested as a prison whose jailer he could feel walking within the walls the jailer eric but she took him to the stage and made him sit on the wooden curb of a well in the doubtful peace and coolness of a first scene set for the evening's performance on another day she wandered with him hand in hand along the deserted paths of a garden whose creepers had been cut out by a decorator's skilful hands it was as though the real sky the real flowers the real earth were forbidden to her for all time and she condemned to breathe no other air than that of the theatre an occasional fireman passed watching over their melancholy idol from afar and she would drag him above the clouds in the magnificent disorder of the grid Where she loved to make him giddy by running in front of him along the frail bridges among the thousands of ropes fastened to the pulleys the windlasses the rollers in the midst of a regular forest of yards and masts if he hesitated she said with an adorable pout of her lips you a sailor and then they returned to terra firma that is to say to some passage that led them to the little girls dancing school where brats between six and ten were practising their steps, in the hope of becoming great dancers one day, covered with diamonds. Meanwhile, Christine gave them sweets instead. She took him to the wardrobe and property rooms, took him all over her empire, which was artificial, but immense, covering seventeen stories from the ground floor to the roof, and inhabited by an army of subjects. She moved among them like a popular queen, encouraging them in their labours, sitting down in the workshops, giving words of advice to the workmen whose hands hesitated to cut the rich stuffs that were to clothe heroes. There were inhabitants of that country who practised every trade. There were cobblers, there were goldsmiths. All had learned to know her and to love her, for she always interested herself in all their troubles and all their little hobbies. She knew unsuspected corners that were secretly occupied by little old couples. She knocked at their door and introduced Raoul to them as a Prince Charming who had asked for her hand, and the two of them, sitting on some warm-eaten property, would listen to the legends of the opera, even as, in their childhood, they had listened to the old Breton tales. Those old people remembered nothing outside the opera—they had lived there for years without number. Past managements had forgotten them, palace revolutions had taken no notice of them the history of france had run its course unknown to them and nobody recollected their existence the precious days sped this way and raoul and christine by affecting excessive interest in outside matters strove awkwardly to hide from each other the one thought of their hearts one fact was certain that christine who until then had shown herself the stronger of the two became suddenly inexpressibly nervous when on their expeditions she would start running without reason, or else suddenly stop, and her hand, turning ice-cold in a moment, would hold the young man back. Sometimes her eyes seemed to pursue imaginary shadows. She cried this way and this way and this way, laughing a breathless laugh that often ended in tears. Then Raoul tried to speak, to question her in spite of his promises, but even before he had worded his question she answered feverishly nothing i swear it is nothing once when they were passing before an open trap-door on the stage raoul stopped over the dark cavity
1: you've shown me over the upper part of your empire christine but there are strange stories told of the lower part shall we go down
0: she caught him in her arms as though she feared to see him disappear down the black hole and in a trembling voice whispered
2: never i will not have you go there besides it's not mine everything that is underground belongs to him
0: raoul looked into her eyes and said roughly so he lives down there does he
2: i never said so who told you a thing like that come away i sometimes wonder if you're quite sane raoul you always take things in such an impossible way
0: come along come and she literally dragged him away for he was obstinate and wanted to remain by the trap-door That hole attracted him. Suddenly, the trap door was closed, and so quickly that they did not even see the hand that worked it, and they remained quite dazed. Perhaps he was there, Raoul said at last. She shrugged her shoulders, but did not seem easy.
2: No, no, it was the trap door shutters. They must do something, you know. They open and shut the trap doors without any particular reason. It's like the door shutters. They must spend their time somehow
1: but suppose it were he christine
2: no no he has shut himself up he is working
1: oh really he's working is he
2: yes he can't open and shut trap doors and work at the same time she shivered what is he working at oh something terrible but it's all the better for us when he's working that is he sees nothing he does not eat or drink or breathe for days and nights at a time he becomes
0: a living dead man and has no time to amuse himself with trap doors she shivered again She was still holding him in her arms then she sighed and said in her turn suppose it were he
1: are you afraid of him
0: no no of course not she said for all that on the next day and the following days christine was careful to avoid the trap doors her agitation only increased as the hours passed at last one afternoon she arrived very late with her face so desperately pale and her eyes so desperately red that raoul resolved to go to all lengths including that which he foreshadowed when he blurted out that he would not go on the north pole expedition unless she first told him the secret of the man's voice
2: hush hush in heaven's name suppose
0: he heard you you unfortunate raoul and christine's eyes stared wildly at everything around her i will remove you from his power christine i swear it and you shall not think of him any more is it possible she allowed herself this doubt which was an encouragement while dragging the young man up to the topmost floor of the theatre far very far from the trap-doors i shall hide you in
1: some unknown corner of the world where he cannot come to look for you you will be safe and then i shall go away as you have sworn never to marry
0: Christine seized Raoul's hands and squeezed them with incredible rapture. But suddenly, becoming alarmed again, she turned away her head. "'Higher!' was all she said. "'Higher still!' and she dragged him up toward the summit. He had a difficulty in following her. They were soon under the very roof, in the maze of timberwork. They slipped through the buttresses, the rafters, the joists— they ran from beam to beam as they might have run from tree to tree in a forest. And, despite the care which she took to look behind her at every moment, she failed to see a shadow, which followed her like her own shadow, which stopped when she stopped, which started again when she did, and which made no more noise than a well-conducted shadow should. As for Raoul, he saw nothing either, for when he had Christine in front of him, Nothing interested him that happened behind. End of chapter 11